We turn to number 175 in our Trinity Psalter hymnal as we prepare to hear God's Word this morning. Number 175, Your law, O God, is our delight. Your statutes faithful, true, and right. It guides our feet and shines as light that we may walk with you aright. We're going to sing verse 1 and then verses 5, 6, and 7. Verse 1 and then verses 5, 6, and 7. Number 175, and let's stand together as we sing. This morning, God's Word comes to us from Psalm 119. Psalm 119, we'll be reading just three sections of this psalm, beginning at verse 89 and then reading through verse 112. Psalm 119, beginning at verse 89. What we hear now is God's word. Forever, O Lord, your word is firmly fixed in the heavens. Your faithfulness endures to all generations. You have established the earth, and it stands fast. By your appointment they stand this day, for all things are your servants. 
If your law had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. I will never forget your precepts, for by them you have given me life. I am yours, save me, for I have sought your precepts. The wicked lie in wait to destroy me, but I consider your testimonies. I have seen a limit to all perfection, but your commandment is exceedingly broad. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the aged, for I keep your precepts. I hold back my feet from every evil way in order to keep your word. I do not turn aside from your rules, for you have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I have sworn an oath and confirmed it to keep your righteous rules. I am severely afflicted. Give me life, O Lord, according to your word. Accept my freewill offerings of praise, O Lord, and teach me your rules. I hold my life in my hand continually, but I do not forget your law. The wicked have laid a snare for me, but I do not stray from your precepts. Your testimonies are my heritage forever for they are the joy of my heart. I incline my heart to perform your statutes forever to the end. Here we end the reading of God's holy word. I invite you to turn to the back of your Psalter hymnals to page 888 in the back section. This is Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 34. And this morning we're going to be looking just at the first two questions and answers, 92 and 93. In question 92, uh, it is asked, what is God's law? And what is recorded there for us is the Ten Commandments, uh, which we read earlier this morning. Then in question 93, how are these commandments divided into two tables? The first has four commands, teaching us how we should live in relation to God. The second has six commandments, teaching us what we owe our neighbor. Well, we have been entering into this section of the Heidelberg Catechism, the teaching on the law of God. We find this in the third section of the Catechism, the section that deals with how it is that we as believers should live. What is the place of the law in the life of the believer? And that question has been answered in various ways. Some say, look, the law began back with Moses. And the law was given for Old Testament Israel. But we are not Old Testament Israel. 
We are New Testament believers. Therefore, the law of God really has no place at all in our lives. The law spoke to Israel. The law spoke to the Old Covenant. But we live in the New Covenant, freed from the law. And so the law really has no place in the life of the believer. Some would take... Uh, almost the complete opposite approach and say that yes God gave his law to Old Testament Israel and it should be our desire to keep all of that law still today including the civil law including the ceremonial law all of the sacrificial law all of God's law must be applied from the Old Covenant to to the New Covenant without distinction We simply take over all the Old Testament civil ceremonial law. What is the place of the law in the life of the believer? We have introduced that idea a number of times already as we've been approaching this uh, section of the catechism. The law does have a place in our life. It was not simply for Old Testament Israel, but we do not take it over wholesale. The law of God is that which is now the response of the believer in the new covenant still to what God has done. There is an intimate connection between law and love. The love that God has for us, the love that he demonstrated in sending his son, Jesus Christ, to give us new life, and the love that we have for God because of what he has done, because we are the recipients of that new life. We now want to live in a way that is pleasing to him. As I've said several times in these past weeks, and will continue to say, the law is not unto salvation. The law flows from salvation. We we keep the law to show our love to God. Now, some might say, well, yeah, well, You read the law every Sunday. We hear the law every Sunday, either from Exodus or from Deuteronomy. Do we really have to have ten particular sermons the next two and a half months studying the law directly? Yes, we do hear the law read every Sunday. Children, every Sunday morning, I read the law of God for us. And you hear it read. But there's a difference between hearing and listening. Do we really listen to the law of God as it is read to us? Children, you know that difference between hearing and listening. Maybe you're, 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 you're sitting at home and you're watching your favorite show on TV and mom comes in and she says, it's time to go clean your room. Well, you hear those words, but you stay sitting there on the couch watching television. You're not really listening to what mom is saying. Listening implies action. Listening implies obedience, heeding the words. Yes, we hear the law every Lord's Day. Are we listening to what God is saying in his law? That must be our desire. And that is my prayer as we spend the next 10 weeks or so going through the law commandment by commandment, that we listen to what God has to say. That is, that we apply this law to our lives, to where we are living here today. The law 
is a blessing for God's people. Look at verse uh, 92. If your law had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. I will never forget your precepts, for by them you have given me life. The law is that which gives life to the believer. It is that which is a blessing in the life of the believer. It is when we leave the law. When we leave the law, we leave the path of life and we begin to pursue the path of death, destruction, hardship. The law is that light, that, the law is that lamp that guides us in the path of blessing, in the path of freedom. The law gives freedom to the believer. I think we often think of the law as that which keeps us from freedom. The law is that which enslaves us. No, it is our sin which enslaves us. The law is that which frees. Freed to do what God has called us to do. You can think of the law, children, kind of like a train on train tracks. As long as the train stays on the train tracks, it is free to go wherever those tracks lead. When the train is on the tracks, wherever the tracks go, the train is free to go down that path. What happens when the train leaves the tracks? It is a literal train wreck. Things fall apart. As long as the train is on the tracks, it's free to go. When it leaves the tracks, everything falls apart. That's what it's like in the life of the believer. The, the law is our path of freedom. It is our path of blessing. When we stay in that path, we are free to do whatever God has called us to do. It's when we leave that path. It's when we leave the tracks, that things begin to fall apart. The law is a blessing. It is our life. I will never forget your precepts, for by them you have given me life. The law is a blessing not only for the believer, but even, even for society in general. Even, even unbelievers recognize there is some good in having law. It's good not to kill other people. It's good to tell the truth. It's good not to steal. We sometimes talk about the law in its civic use. Even, even for those who do not regard God, there is a blessing. The law of God written on our hearts, a blessing in living under that law. To have respect for another person's things. Respect for their spouse. Respect for their life. And if that is a blessing for the unbeliever, how much more for the believer? Knowing it is God who has given us this law, it is God who has given us this track on which we can live. The law of God is a blessing for his people. The law of God does continue even today. The law did not begin with Moses on Mount Sinai. The law is not simply mosaic in its origin. But the law goes all the way back to Eden. 
already in the Garden of Eden, in this perfect situation, God gave law. God gave a law for Adam. Of all the trees of the garden you can eat, but of this one tree you must not eat. That was law. And Adam, rather than staying on the tracks where it was safe, Adam rejected that law of God. And everything fell apart. His relationship to God fell apart. His relationship with his wife fell apart. Even his relationship to the creation around him now fell apart because he refused to see that God's law is a blessing and abiding and continuing. God said, do this and live. And if you don't, you will surely die. And Adam, in willful disobedience, chose not to follow the path, not to follow the tracks, not to live in the way of blessing, but plunged himself and all his descendants into death. Yes, the law of God was codified in a particular form at Sinai. As the law is written down, the commandments, all the commands, all the precepts, all the laws, those things about what they should eat, those things about how to deal with disease, all of these particular laws. And we say, why, why all of these minute prescriptions? Remember, Israel was coming out of captivity. For 400 years, they had lived in Egypt and been affected by the culture of Egypt. 400 years. They needed to be taught everything. That's why the law was so particular for them. They had to be taught everything of how to live, how do we eat, how do we cook, how do we deal with disease, all of these things to return to that eternal abiding law of God. And God's law continues today. That's where our text began. Forever, O Lord, your word is firmly fixed in the heavens. God's law still applicable, abiding to us today. Now, the law continues today. The heart of the law continues today. Some of the application of that law may change because of where we are today in light of Christ and what he has done. And kids, if I ask you to think about that a little bit, is there a law in the Ten Commandments that we do differently today while still holding on to the command? Is there a law in the commandments that we do differently today while still holding on to the command? And I bet if you thought just a little bit, you'd say, well, yeah, we think about the fourth commandment. What do I read every Sunday, kids? Keep the Sabbath day holy. What day is the Sabbath day? The Sabbath day is the seventh day, Saturday. So why are we here today on Sunday? Well, 
to fully answer that question is a whole other sermon series. We won't do that this morning. But we recognize there's been a change. The heart of the law to keep a day holy remains. The application has changed from Saturday to Sunday. So there are some laws that we might apply differently today while the heart of the law remains eternal forever, O Lord. Your word is firmly fixed in the heavens. I'm really not too troubled with coveting my neighbor's ox and donkey. He doesn't have an ox or a donkey. But the heart of the law, don't covet, remains the same. So yes, the application may change, but the law is abiding and eternal. Forever, O Lord, your word is firmly fixed in the heavens. Your faithfulness endures to all generations. You have established the earth, and it stands fast. The law continues for us today. Continues to function in the life of the believer. And we've talked about the different uses of the law, the first use, that civic use, that general use. The law in its second use is that which God uses to point out my sin. I read the perfection of the law and I see how far short I fall from keeping that law. My obligations toward God, I do not keep. My obligations toward my neighbor, I do not keep. Not even for a minute, not even for a day, I can't seem to keep the law completely. And so that, that law then, Showing me my sin, even still today, that abiding law, then drives me to my knees and drives me to Christ as the one who has perfectly and completely and, and fully kept all the law. I recognize I am sinful, I am fallen, I cannot do it, and I am driven to Jesus Christ, the one who stood in my place the one who removes all of my sins, all of my shortcomings, all of my failures to keep the law. And I embrace him by faith. What he has done on my behalf. And, and, and beyond, beyond that removal of all my sin, his perfection, his perfect obedience granted and credited to me, when God sees me, he sees me as if I'd been as obedient as Christ was with regard to keeping the law. And that then motivates me toward that third use of the law. The law as a rule of gratitude. This distinctively reformed use of the law. This use of the law first highlighted by a man named John Calvin, the law as a response to what God has done. And that, that understanding of the law then reflected in our own Heidelberg Catechism. We've talked before about how the law is not explained in the sin section. The law is not explained in the salvation section, as if we would keep the law and be saved. No, the law is explained in the gratitude, the service section. How do I show God my love because of what he has done? Verse 97. Oh, how I love your law. 
It is my meditation all the day. Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the aged, for I keep your precepts. The perfection of the law of God. The perfection of that response of gratitude. Teaching us how to live in a way that is pleasing to God. Teaching us in our homes how to live the way God has called us to. Teaching us what a godly husband looks like, what a godly wife looks like. Teaching us as parents what it is we must do to raise our children in the fear of the Lord. Teaching us as children how to give God glory by obeying our parents. I'm always amazed by these words. I have more understanding than my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the aged, for I keep your precepts. Children, if you want to be wise, keep the law of God. You will know more than many, many of the adults in the world today who do not know God, who do not know salvation, and who do not have the desire to live in a way that pleases Him. I understand more than the aged, for I keep your precepts, the law, that lamp unto our feet, that light unto our path. Then we read in question answer 93, just briefly, how are these commandments divided into two tables? The first has four commandments, teaching what we should live in relation to God. The second, six, teaching what we owe our neighbor. The very simple structure two tables of the law. First, the law relating primarily to God, our call to love Him. And that, that love will be expressed to God, will be shown to God, first and foremost, in the way that we worship Him, how we come to worship God. And really, the first four commands, as we're going to see, can all be connected with our worship. The first commandment, which we will deal with next week, telling us who it is we are to worship. We are to worship God alone. The second and third commandments telling us how it is we are to worship. We are to worship as God has required. And the fourth commandment telling us when we are to worship. We are to gather on the Lord's day. What is our, our obligation to God, showing Him our love? It is to worship Him properly as He has instructed in His Word. And then we have our obligation toward our neighbor, toward those around us. How do we live in love with those who are in our sphere of influence? And we'll see that there is this vastness, there is this breath in the law of God. I look at verse 96. I have seen a limit to all perfection, but your commandment is exceedingly broad. We will not look simply at the narrow focus of the law, but the law both prohibits things and it prescribes things. We will look at what the law prohibits, what we should not be doing. But it's not simply enough not to do certain things. We must do what God has commanded. We will see what the command prohibits 
We'll see what the command prescribes for us as God's children living with our neighbors. But it begins with the first table. It begins with God and then our neighbor. And again, unless we recognize this is a response to what God has done, the next 10 sermons will simply be moralism. Do this to be a better person. Do this to get along in life. Six easy steps to have a better home life. Twelve easy steps to financial freedom. Whatever it might be. That is not the nature of the law. Not simply external conformity. Not a moralism. It is a response to what God has done. It is a response to Him sending His Son, Jesus Christ, to come and, and pay for all of our sins that we might keep the law in freedom. That's the call of the gospel that goes out again today. Stop trying to keep the law on your own. Stop trying to keep the law to earn God's favor. Instead, embrace Jesus Christ, the one who has kept the law perfectly, without error. Know Him as your Lord and your Savior. And when you recognize what He has done for you, removing all of your sin, granting you His righteousness, your desire as well will be to show Him your love. Love in response to what God has done for us. How can I, how can I show God my love? How can I show Him my gratitude because of what He has done for me? That will be the theme we will hear as we look at these next 10 uh, Lord's Days together. Keeping the law, a law of love, God's love toward us and our response of love to Him. Let's join together in prayer. Lord our God, how we love Your law. It is our meditation all the day. Thank You for for speaking to us the glorious words of the gospel, words about Jesus Christ, words about what he has done, that which we could not do. Lord God, because of him, we have been saved from death. Because of him, we have new life. Now we pray you would help us to live that life in a way that is pleasing to you, to live that life to your honor and to your glory, to live that life according to your holy law. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.